0: I think human connection is a gift. If you've, you've ever been standing in line or uh, at a social gathering or a professional event and you've thought to yourself, man, I, I really wish someone would come up to me. I wish someone would say hi to me. I wish someone would start a conversation. Well, there's a good chance most people that you notice in the world, that you bump into in the world, are thinking the same thing. I wish someone would say hello to me. I'd love to talk to them but I don't know how to start a conversation. Well, you can be the one to do that.
1: So excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Brian Miller. This is the second part episode with Brian. It is a standalone episode focusing on Brian's new book, Three New People. Brian is a human connection specialist and a keynote speaker, coach, and podcaster. His TEDx talk has over 3 million views. It's called How to Magically Connect with Anyone. This episode of Time Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So, here we go with Brian. Welcome to Portfolio Care Podcast. Your host David Binske. is here with Brian Miller. Hey, David. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is an exciting part two episode um, for those who already listened to the first one. The second one here, we're going to be focusing on Brian's new book, Three New People. So, maybe Brian, maybe talk, talk to us a little bit in terms of like, why did you want to write this book?
0: I wanted to write a book because... A keynote doesn't afford you depth. When you get 45 minutes or an hour to kick off a conference, even if you get an hour and a half, I've done 90 minute keynotes, even in an hour and a half, you know, you get an audience who often have different backgrounds. They're different people from within an organization or they're students. I do leadership conferences and uh, every one of them is a different major. You know, in a keynote, you have to hit top level concepts and just let people adapt it to their own circumstances, because you can't possibly get everybody from all their different backgrounds to implement this stuff, because it would have to be individually or in small groups. So the book gives me an opportunity to take the core concepts, the top level stuff, flesh out the background, the history, the stuff that is worth knowing about, but doesn't make for as exciting a speech right? Like the written word is very different from from spoken word. And then it allows me to dive into the real tactics and the strategies and the techniques, the stuff that I do really in workshops and coaching. Uh, So, you know, it's a chance to explore human connection. This book is part self-help, it's part personal success, and it's part actionable how-to. The folks who who get the most out of this book, I think, I think the first two thirds of it, the, the book is in three major sections, right? And I think the first two thirds of it, which kind of the first third is like background, like state of the world, as I see it, how we got here, the middle of the book is my version, my vision for a better future, a better way forward. The first two thirds are fun. And there's lots of crazy stories. And it's I think there's a lot of humor in there. But the final third is like, now that you've heard all this stuff, here's how to actually implement it today into any situation you can think of. Networking events, right? Social opportunities a- as a student, as an educator, as a professional, all these different things. So that final third of the book is is, I hope for people really valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. And and maybe talk to us about what does three new people mean?
0: Yeah. So if you haven't read the book, I deliberately left the title vague, so you're going to have the wrong idea. You're going to come into the book thinking that it's going to tell you you need to go out and meet three new people every day, uh, which is not the case. You do meet three new people every day. That The way the math breaks down, on average, of course, this is not true if you live in a 200-person town in the middle of you know, Nebraska or something, right? but the average person over the course of a lifetime will meet three new people every day. And what's interesting about that is it sounds too high. When you say that Something you meet three new people every day on average and people go, that can't be true, right? And then when you go, no, 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 think about it. Just think about the last week, right? And when you really think about it, you realize that, oh yeah, I did get a coffee at Starbucks. So I talked to the person giving me the coffee and then I you know had to go to the doctor's appointment and I was talking to the assistant on the way in and then the nurse and then the doctor. Oh, that's four, right? And what you realize is we meet actually way more than that on on a lot of days. And the reason that your instinct is, no, that's too high, that can't possibly be true, is because we treat most of our interactions as transactional. I give you $3, you give me a cup of coffee, right? Unless it's Starbucks. I give you $8, you give me a cup of coffee, right? That end of transaction, no relationship necessary. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's the crux of the book, that... If we show up for people, as I think I mentioned in the first part of this interview, um, if you show up for people in your daily interactions to give, if you treat every interaction as a gift, because I I think human connection is a gift. If you've you've ever been standing in line or uh, at a social gathering or a professional event and you've thought to yourself, man, I, I really wish someone would come up to me. I wish someone would say hi to me. I wish someone would start a conversation. Well, There's a good chance most people that you notice in the world that you bump into in the world are thinking the same thing. I wish someone would say hello to me. I'd love to talk to them, but I don't know how to start a conversation. Well, you can be the one to do that. You can be the one to start those conversations, even if you're scared, especially if you're scared, right? Because that's pure empathy. It's pure generosity to look at someone and say, I hear you. I see you. I'm here for you. And the way that you say that to a stranger is just to say, Hey, how are you? You know, it's amazing how, how people light up strangers light up when you just say hello and have a 10 second conversation, it can completely change someone's day. And uh, that's, that's, that's the crux of the book.
1: And then after you start a conversation, you just say, hello, what are some examples that are kind of mentioned in the book in terms of just shifting or reframing some of the conversations just to be a little bit more exciting?
0: Right. So small talk is not necessarily a bad thing, but it we ought to evolve from it in a conversation as quickly as possible. I think the f- sooner we get out of small talk, the better. You know, small talk gets you in and anything that gets me into a conversation is, is great. But most of our conversations stay transactional because even if we start them, we just stick to "Oh, the weather right you know <laughs> and people don 't even hear that you know it's it 's just white noise you ever you ever say that to somebody you know and they just kind of look at you and then don 't even answer there 's nothing to it, right We talk about oh the traffic, oh, the weather, you know oh, the whatever you know there's so many more interesting things you can do first you can comment on your shared environment. That's one of the easiest ways to get into a more interesting conversation. You're waiting in line at Starbucks and uh, you see a newfangled coffee concoction that you've never seen before. And you're just having no conversation that you've been having yet. The person standing in front of you, you just lean in, you just go, hey, have you tried that new frappuccino?" right? And they go, yeah, I have and it was great or I didn't like it or whatever. Or they go no, I haven't and you go oh, I'm thinking about it. What do you usually get? You're having a conversation and what's amazing about that is it it just it just energizes people. It lights people up. So you can comment on your shared environment. The thing I tell people to avoid asking about somebody's job. If you can avoid asking about somebody's job and change the nature of that question. So let's say you do find out what their job is, right? They say I'm a corporate analyst, whatever. Usually the first question people ask is, how did you get into that? And it may be interesting to hear the answer, but it's not interesting to give the answer. And this is perspective taking, because almost all of us have told that story to friends, to family, to Aunt Gerda at Thanksgiving. We see once a year, oh, how'd you get into that? Well, you know, I, this and that, you know, we just kind of walk through that answer. But I find out you're a corporate analyst and i say what do you enjoy about that what do you love about that it completely reframes the question it does a couple of things first it it surprises them they're not expecting the question so it it stops them in their tracks and that that focuses people it gets them out of that you know small talk white noise thing because it makes them think and then they have to dig down and you didn't say do you love your job because then people just go no right? Most people say no, it's very depressing. What do you love about your job? They've always find something and you'll hear people go, well, I really don't love my job. I go, yeah, okay, but what do you love about it? And then they'll find something and then they'll find a second thing and then they'll find a third thing. And it turns out that suddenly you just became this conduit for them discovering something really wonderful about themselves. And that breeds connection too, right? There's all these amazing things you can do. Just by asking follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the, the, the key to the follow-up question is in the middle of the book, which is my, um, my uh, four-step system for active listening, which is called EARS, uh, E-A-R-S. And what R stands for is reflection. Reflective listening is paraphrasing whatever somebody just said back to them. They finish making a point, and instead of you giving your opinion or your feedback or your follow-up or saying, that reminds me of right which we do all the time and again nothing necessarily wrong with that there's always a give and take in conversation they say something and you just reflect back to them whatever they just said in different words and that makes people feel understood feel heard and that feeling is so powerful and that's why the subtitle of this book is you know make the most of your daily interactions and stop missing amazing opportunities because when you do this stuff You'll find that your opportunities, personally and professionally, just open up in abundance. Like I'm not saying pretend to be nice to everybody so that maybe good things happen, because it turns out you can't do that. You can fake confidence, but you can't fake sincerity. You can't fake sincerity. Yeah. The reason that, that you can fake confidence is because confidence is an internal state. It's how, if you, it's how you feel about yourself. And there's a lot of the tons of psychology, like Amy Cuddy, right? The power posing. There's a lot of science and psychology on. It, it turns out that for the most part, I'm not a scientist, right? But for the most part, when you act confident, physiologically, there's no difference from actually being confident. That just acting confident makes you confident. That's an internal state. But sincerity is external. It's something other people feel about you. And it turns out that people have a pretty... <sighs> Pardon my language. They have a pretty acute bullshit detector. People can really sense when you're not being sincere. They just, it's something's off. You ever have that like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. This guy seems nice, but something's off. I don't like him. And there's just something about them. Well, it turns out that most of the time that we have a pretty good sense when someone's not quite being honest with us or they're just working us or they're being nice because we know they're going to want something from us later. So no, do not go around thinking that what this book is telling you to do is just pretend to be nice to everybody so hopefully they'll do nice things for you. It's No, it's you have to actually treat every single person you come in contact with every single day of your life with the same level of generosity and respect and kindness. And that will open doors. And that's what I call the three new people philosophy, which is why I hashtag three new people on like all my stuff. Like This is what my community is built around, this is what my work is built around. The three new people philosophy is show up for the people that you get three opportunities every day to impact.
1: So interesting because people always think, oh, I'm waiting for this one big one to come. And you're saying, every single day you get
0: three, three more, you get three opportunities every day. You, a lot of days you get a lot more than that. Some days you get none, right? Netflix and, and ice cream and whatever, right? Some days we stay at home in our pajamas all day, but some days you get eight, 10, 12 opportunities. And the average day you get three and every one of those people, they're, they're people. Like we forget that they're people, right? That, that word that I so funny that I, I discovered a few years ago and then a handful of other folks I've heard start using this word and talking about it was Sonder. I heard it four or five years ago and it kind of first started going around. It looks like Wonder, which makes me happy as a magician, but it's spelled with an S, S-O-N-D-E-R. And Sonder describes that feeling you get when you see someone and realize that they have an internal life of their own that you have no connection to. That, you know, that they have hopes and dreams, worries and concerns just as real and just as vivid as the ones you feel that you know nothing about. And that that internal world affects how they move throughout their day, just like it affects yours. And once you realize that, you stop treating people transactionally, you have to. There's just, it's an obligation once you, under, once you realize that to treat people like people.
1: Yeah, treat people like people. And I think one section that I really, that was unique in the book, was uh, about people's names. And uh, I think we've all kind of struggled sometimes and uh, it was super helpful, uh, the way you broke that down in the book. Maybe for the listeners, maybe share
0: the lessons and exercises and insights on that. Sure, I'm thrilled that you asked about that. I love that chapter. Uh, I was really proud of that chapter because it wasn't something I had heard enough about. And it's something that I've always cared about. Names are a gift. And what I mean by that is, when someone gives you their name, they're giving you a gift. And names are the most personal thing we have, even though they're arbitrary, right? They're total. They're just a node. They're a pointer, right? They're arbitrary, but not to us, because that's the one thing we hear over and over, right? The cocktail effect, right? Even in a really loud cocktail room, a deafeningly loud cocktail room, across the room, if somebody practically whispers your name, you hear it. It's amazing that we can do that. So. We only give our name out to someone that we actually want to have further communication with or further relationship with. Like you ever, have you ever had somebody ask for your name in a situation where, you know, like it's the, I don't know, the, the, the cashiers you're trying to get out of a store, like you're finished paying, they say, What's your name? You're, Why? Right? Why are you asking me? Right? Well, because they want to put your info down and send you emails, right? So we guard our names. When you realize it's a gift, you'll take better care of the names that people give you. And the first tip and the most important way to remember people's names is to actually listen when they tell you it. Most of the time when people give you their name, we don't hear it because we are thinking about how we're going to say ours, right? Say, what's your name? And then as soon as you ask, you're like, all right, and after they tell me, I gotta, am I going to say Brian? Is it going to be Brian Miller? Mr. Brian? Mr. Miller? Should I put up my hand? Should I give him my business card? Like, we're just, we're not listening. And then they say their name and you go, oh, crap, Right. And we're usually embarrassed to ask again, and then we just don't know it. And being able to call somebody by their name, especially when it's been a while since you've seen them. Uh, I was just at a conference while I was was giving a workshop last week up in Vancouver, and I had given the keynote for the same organization four or five months earlier back last year, and they brought me back to do the full-day workshop to dive deeper into the stuff from the keynote. And a few of the folks came up, and uh, and they said – said, oh, hey, Brian, I was so excited to hear you were coming back. And it was like, you know, hey, Jason, good to see you again. Man, it's been five months, you know, and they know that I've done 60 events and met thousands of people. You remember their name? Oh, that's a bond for life. It's amazing what that does. But if you forget somebody's name, and this is something I don't think I said in the book, so I'll say it here. If you forget somebody's name, don't pretend that you know it. Don't act like you know it. Don't use nicknames. Hey, chief, you know, not, just, just say, hey, great to see you again. I'm sorry. What was, you know, I, I, can you remind me of your name? You just say, can you remind me of your name? And they go, oh, yeah, it's Jason. There's no problem. People are super forgiving because they do it all the time, right? So one way is really actually listen when people tell you their name. The second way, if this is an entertainer's trick, and it works really well in personal situations, but it'll feel weird when you first do it which is to repeat their name three times in the span of one sentence after you get it. And if you haven't tried this, it feels super awkward. Natural to me because you do it as an entertainer. And I say, Oh, what's your name? And you say, David and go, David, nice to meet you, David. David, what do you do? It's not as awkward. It doesn't sound awkward when you do it, but it sounds awkward to do it. It's like to you, it'll sound awkward when you try to hit somebody's name three times in the span of eight seconds. But it's like, David, nice to meet you, David. Pause. Pause. David, what do you do? Or what do you love about your job? Or how often do you come? Whatever the question is, right? When you say it out loud three times in eight seconds, it just lodges in your brain. And then there's there's a whole bunch of other tricks in the in, in the book that I think are useful, but the, those are a few.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the the other ones I think was uh, tell people to spell
0: it aloud. That one actually came, I learned that by accident. I, use, I in my show as a magician, because I was a comedy magician, there I, uh, I had a ton of jokes built around names but not making fun of people's names uh, they were kind of weird jokes built out of my career in philosophy kind of metaphysics strange stuff so I would get like a Carolyn now there's a couple ways that can be spelled so somebody says their name's Carolyn I go oh Carolyn with a c or a k and they would go with a k and I go oh that's how I spell Brian with a k and it's this moment of wait what and it, it it was a it was a big laugh moment. It's kind of absurd comedy from like Steve Martin. Over the years I developed all these jokes that kept tagging on, you know, with a K. Oh yeah, Brian with a K. And the well actually mine's tough for people. It's got a silent seven in it, you know. And then people be like, What? And I'm like, I know. People always call me Jeff. I'm like, no, it's Brian. And people are like, why does seven sound like Jeff? It doesn't. I don't know. You know, this stuff just went on. But it was from doing all these callbacks and asking people to spell their name that I realized from the beginning of the show to an hour and a half later, I was remembering people's names better than ever before, that I could call back near the end of an hour and a half show to my first volunteer from five minutes in and I still remembered their name and I never used to be able to do that. And I realized it was because I was doing all these jokes by asking people to spell their name, I was, and then they would say it's with a K and then I would make the joke about my name with a K and it would just lodge it into my brain. So if someone has a name that could possibly be spelled two different ways, right? Don't do it with Dan, right? How, how do you spell that? Like, then you're just a jerk, right? But but if it's a name that could possibly be spelled two different ways, or if you are maybe, if it's a loud environment, you can almost get away with it. If it's loud, you can say, sorry, it's loud, I'm having trouble hearing you. Can you spell it for me? It's a great, and then you can repeat it back almost. It's a great way to lodge it in. Yeah, I love that idea.
1: And then maybe, maybe Brian, Share a little bit in terms of how human connection has been so important for your journey and maybe some moments as to, you know, how it's not necessarily who you know, but who you meet, I think is, is, was a core principle that I took away from the book. Um, so maybe talk about some of these moments where you met certain people and you formed that connection that then turned into a meaningful relationship. And then I think some of, some of these relationships are mentioned in the book, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
0: Sure. Uh, the book opens with one of the more epic stories I have. It all happened in one story, which is why I opened the book with it. It's the same story I tell to close all of my keynotes. Uh, it's how I leave people after a speech, but it's how I opened the book to set up the tone of the book. Uh, spoken word and written word are two different things, you know, um, which is the story of this lady I met on a plane. Um, you can go on my website and Google and like find me telling this story and you can also read it in the book. Um, But the crux of it is that I was on a plane at probably six, seven years ago now, but I was on a plane at four o'clock in the morning, you know, one of those super early flights. I I used to tour just constantly as a magician and I always had to take that first flight of the day because you had to make the layover in time to still drive to the show and do the load. And it was crazy days. And I was exhausted and I had on you know, like jeans and a hoodie and I had on my fedora because I used, always used to wear a fedora as a magician. And I got on the plane. pilot said it was going to be a delay. And so I was just having this miserable morning. I wasn't feeling well. I was exhausted. And I sat down. It was at the, it was at the back of the plane. Have you ever sat in the last seat on a plane yeah. before? Yeah. Literally the bathroom is like an inch away from your face. And it's, it's, you cannot believe that you're in that situation for a couple of hours. So I was not feeling well, and I sat down, and basically, I was just about to put on my headphones, which I never do. And I tell students this all the time, high school, college. I love music. I went to school for music. But as soon as you put your headphones on, you tell the whole world I'm not interested, right? You put a wall up. Nobody is going to try to connect with you or try to talk to you. And if they do have to try to talk to you, they're going to be annoyed about it. Right, the person who keeps their headphones on while they're ordering coffee drives me crazy. That's a person, right? Take your headphones off and have a conversation. Give them ten seconds that they deserve. Um, so I was about to put on my headphones, and right before I did, I heard, "I like your hat." And I turned, and it was just this lady sitting next to me. She was like this elegantly dressed businesswoman, black pants suit, pixie haircut. She was like perfectly put together, right? Drinking coffee, reading the paper, and she said, I like your hat. And and I I turned and and she was like, I'm sorry. I noticed back in the terminal. I thought it'd be weird to say that to a stranger, but since we're sitting next to each other, just wanted to let you know that I like your hat. And she introduced herself. She said, hi, I'm Zoe. And, uh, you know, we just talked, we got along really well. And over the course of conversation, she found out that I was a magician and I found out that she is a professor at Yale whose expertise is influence and persuasion. She teaches influence and persuasion techniques at Yale's School of Management. Her background, she managed a section of Mattel's global marketing for years, like crazy. This woman is, I don't know what she was doing on that plane, but she's, she's like famous in her circles. I couldn't believe she was talking to me. And I said I was a magician and she got so excited. I couldn't believe she was, I thought she was faking being excited about that. Like most people, when they find out you're a magician are not excited. They're just like, oh, magician, that's weird. You know, but she's like, no, I, I teach influence and persuasion, like for a living, like magicians are my jam, right? <laughs> like, and so we talked the whole flight and she said, you have to let me know when your next show is back in Connecticut. It was like two months away and I told her where it was and she said, I'll be there. And I genuinely thought to myself, that's very sweet, but I'm never going to hear from you again. And then two months later, she was in the audience. And I mean, no contact. She came up, I couldn't believe, I couldn't even do the show. I couldn't believe she was there. She came up after the show. She said, that was so much fun. I have to bring you into my class at Yale as a guest speaker. And I was just like, okay, you know what I mean? Again, like, very nice, but I'm never going to hear from you again. And uh, two months later, it was the first time I was a guest speaker at Yale. And I now have a a longstanding relationship with the university and like a handful of different departments and different faculty. Uh, I just... A couple of weeks ago, I gave a keynote for the Yale, uh, Yale New Haven Hospital's uh, cancer department, the oncology department. I gave their keynote. In a couple of weeks, I'm doing the undergrad Yale's putting on the big graduation party for the parents and students. I'm doing their grad party. Like I have this long-standing relationship with Yale, you know. Which totally, we were talking in the first part of this conversation about like credentials and expertise. Um, and then where that story goes is it, that, that could have been it. I mean, it could have ended there. Wow, Yale, amazing. But then a few years later, I got invited to give that tiny little TEDx talk at a high school and I gave it. Well, I, I didn't know how to give it. I didn't know what I was doing. So I called up Zoe and said, can you help me write this? She said, of course. And she helped me. TEDx talk went viral, 3 million views, started getting calls all over the world. And I got invited to come overseas by the US government to do magic on military bases for the troops and their families which ended up comprising like the next year of my life. I went to bases in Europe and in the Middle East and Africa and Asia. It was unbelievable. But on the first of those tours, um, on one of my days off in Italy, I was in uh, Naples and my host said, would you like to go visit Pompeii on your day off? And Pompeii is the ancient city covered in ash by Mount Vesuvius, which is like 20 minutes from where we were staying. It's like, Cool. I was walking around this ancient city for a couple of hours, and after a couple of hours, I like ducked down an alleyway, and I didn't know where it was going to empty out, and it ended up emptying out into like this massive outdoor amphitheater, and I looked down, and I was standing on a stage, and I realized it was the same stage that like thousands of years ago, my ancestors in entertainment, they stood there, magicians, court jesters, jugglers, comedians, actors, and they entertained their audiences in this exact spot thousands of years ago, and it just took my breath away it, 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 I, I almost started crying like it, it just it was such a surreal moment and later i realized it was a moment that only existed because five years earlier one stranger said to me i like your hat and that's what this book is about that an innocuous seemingly meaningless interaction is not meaningless Every interaction is meaningful. Every person you meet is important. You have no idea what kind of opportunities are just on the other side of that next connection.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is crazy. Mount Vesuvius, thinking back. Oh, <laughs> I can only imagine how that felt, Brian. I have a photo of that moment too. <laughs> Put it in the show notes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, all right. Any any other main takeaways in in the book that you'd like to to share here?
0: Yeah, let, let me let me leave you with this. You hit on it. I think I think you hit on it in the first part of this conversation. So, just in case someone's only listening to part 2, I'll end with this. The one I don't want to call it a criticism, but maybe the one objection that gets raised to my work after a presentation or my book or whatever, uh or my TEDx talk is yeah, but listen, it was great. I loved it. I think it's awesome. But I tried to connect, I tried to do it. I tried to connect with someone and they weren't interested. They didn't want to connect with me. So like, you know, what's up with that? That's like the number 1 objection I get. And and I find myself having to check the instinct to very sarcastically say, the TEDx talk was called how to magically connect with anyone, not how to magically connect with everyone. You can't connect with everyone, but you can connect with anyone. And that is the nuance. That's the beauty of humanity. It's messy. And, and that maybe today, I wasn't the right person to connect with you. But maybe three days from now, I would have been the right person, right? But maybe I'm not today. and there's But there's someone else that I can connect with today. And there's someone else that you can connect with. And I believe we can connect with anyone. But it's a two-way street when people go, well, somebody didn't want to, they wouldn't want to connect with me. And I go, yeah. And they go, well, how do I connect with them if they don't want to connect with me? And I'm like, you don't. Like, you can't connect at somebody. You can only connect with them. Human connection, the way I define it in the book, is the mutually beneficial exchange of emotional data. It's not just transactional. Transactional isn't emotional data, right? That's just data. It's a mutually beneficial exchange of emotional data. I give you something, you give me something. We have a give and take of emotional interaction, of emotional perspective. Connection is not about agreement. It is about understanding. And if you can find understanding, even if you don't agree with somebody, you can connect with them in a meaningful way, in a powerful way that can change both of you for the better. That's, uh, I think that's the big takeaway. Boom.
1: I think that's an amazing way to end. I could talk to you for, for so much longer, Brian. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Where can people follow up and support so many of your inspiring efforts?
0: The easiest way to follow up if you're interested in the book is 3newpeople.com. You can spell it out. And I'm pretty sure I also own the domain if you decide to put the number in instead. But I think that also forwards the right place. But 3newpeople.com. From there, you can grab it on Amazon. You can pick up a signed copy from me directly with a bunch of bonuses like wristbands. They say three new people on one side. So that's rem- that tells everybody else what it is. But the other side, and this is why people clean me out, they say, I like your hat. So the side that you wear on the inside to you is a reminder to yourself every time you look at it about the power of daily interactions. Love it. And uh, yeah, you can grab that from 3 And once you're there, you're on my website and you can find my blog and podcast and all the other cool stuff. Yeah, so many cool stuff. Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to another exciting episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. As a reminder, this episode with timestamp notes to follow along is also available on my website, PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can also record and ask a question related to all things related portfolio career to potentially be included in a future episode. Really excited for you to use these insights to build and grow your portfolio career. And as always, let me know what you think.